All right, well, good morning, everybody. Um, good to see you guys this morning. Uh, this morning, we're starting a new series uh, here at Redemption for the next few weeks about, um, well, it's not about, but uh, we are in the Advent season, so each Sunday during the Advent season has a specific uh, theme associated with it, like um, I think Eliza mentioned earlier, or maybe Caleb did when he was talking, but um, hope, joy, peace, love, and Jesus. And so as we talk through some hymns related to Advent and related to Christmas, um, we sort of want to intersect those hymns with whatever the theme of that particular Sunday is. And so this morning, uh, we're looking at O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which we just sang a second ago. Um, and looking, uh, even as that hymn looks to Jesus as our hope, that's what we'll be doing this morning as well. So let me pray for us, and, uh, and then we'll start with that. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this morning uh, to rejoice together, to sing together, to worship together. Um, God, I pray over the next few minutes as we uh, talk about hope, as we look to Jesus, as we dive into your word, that you would be at work in our hearts and minds. God, that you would uh, draw us to yourself. Ultimately, God, I pray that Jesus would be glorified in this place and that we would be drawn to you because of that. Um, God, I recognize that my words are of little importance this morning. But your words are of utmost importance. And so, God, I pray that we would hear your words, that you would speak to us and draw us to you. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. One thing I love about the story of, the story of God or the Bible or Scripture uh, is that it does not simply offer us mere sentimentality or optimism or positive thinking. Uh, the Bible tackles head-on the folly and misery, and pain, and disappointment of this world, and it gives us an answer. And on this side of the resurrection, we know that answer to be Jesus. One of the purposes of the Advent season that we are entering into is to remind us that in this present darkness, there is light. Light is on the way. Uh, Fleming Rutledge puts it this way, Advent always begins in the dark, but there is a but, and we find it revealed in the story that the scriptures tell, the story of Jesus. Advent begins in the dark, but it points to the light. Advent begins with longing, but it is not longing without hope. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel uh, is a hymn that we all probably know pretty well. Uh, we've probably all sung it around Christmas or Advent time um, at some point in our lives. It has a somewhat mournful melody and some longing lyrics that don't really lend this hymn to being necessarily uh, celebratory, but it is definitely hopeful, and it definitely does look to Jesus in the darkness. Um, the text of this hymn, just a little history on it, the text of the hymn was translated from an uh, an anonymous Latin hymn into English sometime around 1851 by a guy named John Mason Neal. Uh, John Mason Neal was a little bit of a nerd and made a habit of translating Latin hymns into English, like the best kind of nerd. Um, we'll come back to the text of the hymn in a minute, uh, but the tune, tune we normally sing these words with, the most famous tune associated with this song, uh, was probably probably originated in 15th century France, and sometime around the time uh, this hymn was translated into English is when that tune was connected to the hymn. 
But the words of this hymn, the, the focus and content of this hymn is based on Scripture and in some ways is really just a paraphrase of something called the O Antiphons. Um, the O Antiphons are liturgical refrains that pull from various places in Scripture. Uh, if your church background is not or was not in a high liturgical church, mine was definitely not. Um, the O Antiphons may be unfamiliar to you. They certainly were to me until a few years ago. Uh, but what the O Antiphons are are a series of plain chant refrains um, that date back to the 7th or 8th century. And these were and are short songs that are sung during evening prayers or vespers on the seven days before Christmas Eve um, in high liturgical churches, still in the Catholic Church today. I, I became familiar with them when my daughters were born. My daughter's birthdays are December 20th and 21st. They're uh, two years and one day apart. And uh, when my second daughter was born, um, I don't know what led me to do it, but I went looking for certain liturgical elements associated with their birthdays, and I found the O Antiphons. Uh, each of the O Antiphons is a, is a short grouping of various scriptural texts that specifically point to Jesus as our hope in the darkness. They all reference different titles or names for Jesus, and they all begin with O, hence the name O Antiphon. But may I share them with you? Uh, December 17th, O Wisdom, who came from the mouth of the Most High, reaching from end to end and ordering all things mightily and sweetly, come and teach us the way of prudence. O Adonai, leader of the house of Israel, who appeared to Moses in the fire of the burning bush and gave him the law on Sinai, come and redeem us with an outstretched arm. December 19th, O Root of Jesse, standing as a sign among the peoples, before you kings will shut their mouths. To you the nations will make, them, will make their prayer. Come and deliver us and delay no longer. December 20th, O key of David and scepter of the house of Israel, you open and no one can shut. You shut and no one can open. Come and lead the prisoners from the prison house, those who dwell in darkness in the shadow of death. December 21st, O morning star, Splendor of light eternal and sun of righteousness, come and enlighten those who dwell in darkness in the shadow of death. December 22nd, O King of the nations and their desire, the cornerstone making both one, come and save the human race which you fashioned from clay. December 23rd, O Emmanuel, our King and our lawgiver, the hope of the nations and their Savior, come and save us, O Lord our God. The version of the hymn we sang this morning, we referenced the root of Jesse, we referenced the morning star or the day spring, and we referenced, uh, oh, Emmanuel, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. The actual hymn itself, when sung with all of these verses, um, reference, right, all of those messianic names for Jesus that I just read through and carry the same idea of Jesus as our hope. We often don't sing or hear a version of O Come, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel that contains that many verses. It's usually just three or four verses that we hear. But in the verses that we normally do sing or hear, the following scriptural references stand out. Right? We see Jesus as Emmanuel from Isaiah 7, 14. 
God who is with us, not a, not a God who has abandoned us, but a God who is present. We see Jesus as the rod or root of Jesse from Isaiah 11.1, 1, right? Springing from a dead stump, the heir to David's kingdom, here to free his people by death and resurrection to defeat their enemies and free them forever as the heir to David's throne. As the day spring or, or the morning, the dawn of God's kingdom, the light of the world, the one who banishes the hopelessness of darkness. As the key of David from Isaiah 22, he opens God's kingdom for us and invites us in. And as the desire or king of the nations from Haggai 2, he will draw the ransom from every people and make them a kingdom of peace. I love this hymn uh, because its words and tune are ancient Uh, But more importantly than that, because it points to Jesus. Because when we sing it, we are joining in with centuries of people who looked to Jesus at this time of the year as their hope in the darkness. Whether we're singing the hymn as we know it, singing the words as we know it in a church setting like this, or Um, repeating and hearing the O antiphons in a high church setting, whatever it is, we're joining with one another and with saints of the past to recognize Jesus as our hope. When we sing the most famous verse of this song, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. When we sing that verse, we are invited to put ourselves into the shoes of a first century Jewish person who is longing to be free from exile, free from oppression, free from suffering. People who knew what Isaiah promised, like Isaiah 7.14 that I referenced a moment ago, the Lord himself will give you a sign Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, shall call his name Emmanuel. They knew that God would one day send the Messiah to his people, to free his people, to be with his people. They thought that freedom would be political. God knew they needed freedom from something greater, freedom from their greatest enemies, Satan, sin, and death, freedom from the grip of their idols. And even though God did something different than they maybe expected, Their hope was that God would show up and do something. Here we are 2,000 years later, not needing to stretch our imaginations too far to understand that longing and that need for hope in the darkness. Living in a dark world, waiting for Jesus to come again, looking to Jesus as our hope. We can in some ways relate to those first century people waiting for the Messiah and the countless numbers of people who have sung this hymn over the years looking to Jesus for hope and the countless number of people who have repeated the O antiphons waiting for Jesus as their hope. That's what this hymn is about. Remembering what Jesus has done, remembering what Jesus will do, but ultimately pointing to Jesus as our hope. Part of what it means to be human is to be hardwired for hope. Paul David Tripp says that every decision you make, every choice you make, every response you have to the situations and relationships of your life 
is fueled by and motivated by hope. If you think about it, we can make the argument that our lives are really stories of hope. Our happiest moments are moments when our hopes are fulfilled, and our saddest moments are moments when our hopes are dashed or destroyed. The problem with this, though, is that we are constantly looking for things or people or situations or objects in which to place our expectations and our hope. If part of what it means to be human is to hope, then we are always looking for a place to put our hope. And sometimes we tend to look for hope in all the wrong places. We look for hope where it can't be found. We look for hope in things that will only disappoint us and frustrate us and confuse us. I've shared this before in a previous sermon, but when I think about hope, I can't help but think about another song. It's one of my favorite songs. It's a song called Two Shades of Hope by an artist named Foy Vance. The opening line goes like this. There's one thing that I know. It is the two shades of hope. One, the enlightening soul, and the other is more like a hangman's rope. Well, it's true you may reap what you sow, but not that despair is the all-time low. Baby, hope deals the hardest blows. I really like that song. It's a sad song. Uh, I'm a cynic and pessimistic at heart, which is probably why I like sad songs. And uh, on the topic of hope, hope doesn't come to me naturally to begin with. The song is about people who constantly are crushed because their hopes are never realized. And for someone like me, it's natural to think that in most situations, I shouldn't get my hopes up. That if I manage my expectations appropriately, then there's no way I can be disappointed. Because there's no bigger punch in the gut than hoping in something or someone and then being disappointed. But if it's true that hope can only be realized in Jesus, then these things and objects that we want to give us hope will ever only disappoint us, fail us. But because of Jesus... Disappointment doesn't have to be the end of our story. We don't have to live there. Fleming Rutledge, who I referenced earlier, has also said that Advent represents the great theological movement that turns its face toward the future of God and not the future of man. Meaning Advent, the celebration of Advent, Singing hymns like this one point us away from ourselves and point us to Jesus who, who did come and who will come again to set all things to rights. Isaiah 59 is a chapter that points us to the future of God and not the future of man. It points us to hope even when our situations are grim and dark. But before we get to that, let me just ask you this question as I've talked about Hope, disappointment, and frustration in the middle of your dark moments when life is hard for you, when it's difficult and confusing. When you're dealing with the unexpected, when your story is not what you would like your story to be, where do you run for comfort? Where do you run for security? Where is your hope? In Isaiah 59, the children of Israel have come home from Babylon, from captivity and exile in Babylon. They've returned to Jerusalem, but everything is a mess. There are no city walls. There's no temple. 
There's no obvious leadership. Injustice, poverty, and violence abounds. And it seems like society is in total chaos. We see this in verses 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Verse 1, God is answering a charge that God's people have made against him. They've said, God can't save us. Everything's a mess. It's all God's fault. And God, where are you in the middle of all of this mess? Why is everything so hard and falling apart? Like these people in Jerusalem, when life gets hard for us, when life isn't working like we want it to, when we're suffering in some way, when we're disappointed, when the comfort and ease that we so often enjoy is interrupted, it's very easy to bring God into the court of our judgment and question his goodness. It's very tempting to say, God, where are you? Where is your faithfulness? Where is your love? I thought you were near to me. I thought you were Emmanuel. Where are you? And here's what's devastating about this. When we begin to question God's wisdom, when we allow our hearts to begin to question His goodness and His presence, that we're going to stop going to God as our hope. Because instead of doubting your doubts, you're doubting Jesus. We don't go to someone for help who we have come to doubt. God answers these people in Jerusalem And he says, it's not that I can't save, it's not that I'm unable to save, it's that your sin or iniquities, as he puts it in verse 2, have created a separation between you and me, and specifically the sins of idolatry and injustice. And if you were to go on and read verses 3 through 14 of this chapter, you would see just how bad a situation they were in. But that's not where I want to be this morning. Where I want to be is where there is hope and good news So let me read verses 15 through 20. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, so he will repay wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies, to the coastlands he will render repayment. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun, for he will come like a rushing stream which the wind of the Lord drives. And a redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. Do you see what happens here? God looks around and says to his people, there's no horizontal place for you to put your hope. There's no justice. There's no one to intercede for you. There's no one, no object, no thing that is able to give you the hope that you're seeking. And in the middle of all that lostness and transgression and iniquity and injustice, what does God do? Instead of turning his back and walking away, He steps into the mess, steps right into the middle of it, and promises a redeemer. 
He steps into the disaster like a rushing stream. He steps right into the middle of it all and says that his own arms will bring salvation. God himself will see that a Redeemer comes to Zion, a Redeemer that we know to be Jesus. That's the hope of Christmas right there in the middle of the Old Testament, the promise of God to step in and intercede, the promise of God to show up. And it's that hopefulness in God's intervention that is on full display in this hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Come, Emmanuel, step in. God, we wait for you. Emmanuel, we're longing for you to step in and save and redeem. It's that hopefulness in God's intervention that is on full display in this hymn. Longing for God's intervention. Waiting for God's presence to show up. The Christmas story is hope come to earth. It's the birth of Jesus. It's the incarnation. It's the story of God being with his people. That's why the angels sang those glorious songs. That's why the wise men came to worship. That's why the shepherds were blown away. That's why all of history converged on Bethlehem, because hope had invaded the earth in the person of Jesus. With a hymn like, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, we are remembering that hope. We're proclaiming that Jesus is our hope, and we're waiting expectantly with hope for Jesus to come again like he's already done. You see, God's people in Isaiah 59, those captives returned home from Babylon, they were living in the messiness between the already and the not yet. Already they had been redeemed from Egypt and and made into God's people. God had made a covenant with them. Already God had brought them home from Babylon. Already the prophets had spoken of a coming Messiah, of God's Redeemer, of a king that would redeem the entire world and set everything to rights. But the Messiah wasn't there yet. So they were living in in the mess, and yet they could still have hope because of God's promise to step in and save. We too live in the middle of the already and the not yet. Jesus has been here. He lived and died and rose again. He's already defeated our greatest enemies and guaranteed a new heaven and a new earth and a redemption and recreation of all things. And already God has given us the Holy Spirit to empower our lives for his glory and our joy and to be with us always. But the world is still a mess. That kingdom that we long for, that will be realized that the second advent isn't here yet. Not fully realized yet. And in the messiness of the life between the already and the not yet, we as people will be reaching and looking for hope. We'll be looking for it somewhere. The reality of our situation is that it can only be realized in Jesus, our Emmanuel, our God with us who not only entered into our world as a baby, but who will enter into the mess of our lives with his grace and mercy. One day, we'll see that final kingdom come to fruition, and we'll live with him in a place of absolute peace, and our hope will be realized in a way that we probably can't even comprehend or fathom yet. But that promise of future grace is also a promise of present grace, in the here and now. 
And that's reason enough for hope. Because no matter how troubling life might be, Jesus is our hope. Jesus will meet us in the middle of our mess. Jesus will step into it. So the call for us this morning is to check our hearts and see where we've placed our hope. As we begin this Advent season, the call for us is to recognize Jesus as our hope and to go to Jesus with our hope. It gives us a moment in time to check our hearts. And as we sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and maybe other songs like it, the call is to recognize our longing for something better. And then go to Jesus as that something better. The call is to replace those objects of misplaced hope and misguided hope with Jesus. The call is to run to Jesus, the God who came to earth, who is still with us, and who will one day come again. O come, O come, Emmanuel, we're waiting for you. We're waiting for you to step in to the mess of our lives. We're waiting for you to come again and redeem all things. O come, O come, Emmanuel. We're going to enter into a time of response like we do every Sunday. During that time of response, uh, we'll have an opportunity to worship when the band comes back up here in a second as they lead us in some songs. We have an opportunity uh, to give or to remember that giving is an act of worship. Uh, Most of us may not give here but there's a giving basket in the back. Most of us may give digitally or some other way, but this is an opportunity for us to recognize that our giving is indeed an act of worship, a response to what God has done. And during this time as well, we have the opportunity to take communion. Uh, We take communion every Sunday at Redemption in order to remember what Christ has done and proclaim to one another that we believe it. And taking the um, bread that represents the body of Christ given for us and Uh, the juice or the wine representing the blood of Christ shed for us. We're remembering what Christ has done and we're proclaiming that it's good and that it's true and that we believe it. So I'm going to pray for us and we'll enter into that time of response. God, thank you for this reminder from this hymn and from your word. God, that you are our hope, that our hope is great because of you. God, thank you that you have stepped into this world, that you've made a way for us to be right with you. God, thank you that you will come again. We long for that kingdom. We long for the redemption and the recreation of all things. But God, as we wait right now in the mess that is sometimes our lives, God, we look to you as our hope. God, help us to look to you as our hope. Help us to remember Jesus as our hope. Thank you that he is. Thank you that we can run to you. Thank you that you will step in. God, I pray that as we continue to respond and worship that Jesus would be lifted high and we would be drawn to you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.